Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Part and parcel of that is there's a way in which you're getting out of the driver's seat and letting that value come through you. And guess what part of us doesn't like that one bit? You don't gain control embodying a soul level value. You lose it, you surrender it, and it delivers you to a flow state. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. You might have heard the phrase, if you think what you've always thought, then you'll do what you've always done, and you'll have what you've always had. But I think there's one more earlier step. If you be who you've always been, then you'll never change. Continuing our series on meaningfulness, this episode focuses on how you can better align yourself with your soul-level values to create change at the level of being, and how you can begin cultivating meaningfulness in the people you manage. I offer weekly member webcasts and teach live courses on clearandopen.com because I believe with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you, too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open up the podcast app, click the podcast cover art, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. I'd appreciate that very much. Thanks so much for listening. Let's dive in. There's something about non-attachment that feels to me pretty important here because I'm just imagining where I go off the rails with meaning. And it's usually when I'm attached to a certain way of coming about that meaning. Say more. You know what I mean, just that like being, becoming less attached to how it's going to happen to the pro to the end result and be much, being much more present with the process is where that mm. flow and meaning can come from. Whereas, mm. you know, thinking that I have to do it a certain way and then just, you know, ending up beating my head against the wall because it's not working or yeah, let, frustrating let me, on some level. I think I get what you mean. Let me, let me try. So when you try a different way of being, right? So there's, there's a normal way of being. Let's use the truth and love one, right? My normal way of being, let's say, for example, is when I see somebody's wrong, uh, I go in for the kill and try to show them how stupid they are, right? That's like a, a, a normal default way of being when you're in an argument or something casually you know, at the cocktail party. And then, so you're at the cocktail party and you remember, okay, I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm going to invoke my value of love. And when I see those moments where there's a, a possibility for that kind of argument, I'm going to pivot and do something different. When you do that, you're not going to know what's going to happen. You see, because you haven't done it before. You haven't been in a disagreement with someone. If that's your pattern, it's, it's unfamiliar and unknown for you to, when you're in a disagreement with someone to make the connection more important than what's right. And because you don't, if you don't have a lot of experience with that, you don't know where that's going to go. And it creates the feeling of being out of control. Is that what you're talking about, Tiffany? Is that an example of what you're I, 
Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it is. I, I think that you're taking it in a um, different direction, but it's essentially the same thing where you're, you yeah. are acknowledging your lack of control of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, because really the soul level... I'm glad this came up. Thank you, Tiffany. The the soul level value, because these these soul level values, truth, honesty, integrity, wisdom, connection, these are self-transcendent values. You see, they're not self-serving, not only. When you embody a soul level value, it helps you and it helps everyone around you. So part and parcel of that is there's a way in which you're getting out of the driver's seat and letting that value come through you, you see? And guess what part of us doesn't like that one bit? You don't gain control embodying a soul level value. You lose it. You surrender it. And it delivers you to a flow state. And the the funny thing about flow states... You know, everyone's experienced one, some more often than not, but everybody's experienced being in the zone. And then it's over and they want more, (laughs) right? I want to live that all the time. I want to have that. I want to control that. I want to be able to turn that on and off. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Did you turn it on when it came to you the first time? You can't turn that on and off. It's not in your control. All you can do is set the conditions for it to show up like love because it's way bigger than you. You can't control it. You can just get out of the way of it. That's the best you can do. But the shadow in us doesn't like that one bit because it's not in our control. That's the movement from thrival to flow. Thrival is when you get really, really good at controlling and manifesting and planning and making things happen and you see how empty it is because it, it, uh, it has insufficient meaning. And then you start to learn where not doing or doing less or setting conditions for flow to come through it is actually more meaningful. So one takeaway I would like all of you to have if it hasn't been obvious enough yet is that when you have an employee working for you, four is always in quotes, that it's your job to cultivate the meaningfulness of their job for them by helping them see it's their responsibility. You see, it's not in one way, it's, it's not totally their responsibility because they have a manager and they work for you. But it's not your responsibility either. So it's the, you, you, you're like a meaningfulness coach. And one easy way to get at this is a question like, what part of your job do you like the least? And how do you bear it? What do you do with that? Let's talk about how maybe you could make it meaningful. That's, that could be a 30-minute meeting that could change a life. You might start with, What's your favorite part of the job and why do you think you like it so much? That may give you some insight into what really drives them. You know, it's like when we talk about in management, the importance of understanding what motivates your employees, right? This is common management talk. Well, you want to understand what motivates them. You want to understand like what makes them tick and other such stock language, right? 
what if what that's really about is asking the question, what are their soul level values? What drives them? If you can know what drives them on a deeper level than they know themselves, oh boy, can you be a help to them, right? Because then you can reframe. So I get that for you, finding different ways of explaining the same thing is really interesting. So when you're talking about the importance of, you know, time management for the 1,782nd time, how could you connect that to one of your deepest values? When you're serving a client, setting nails, washing dishes, pressing pants, how are you living more the kind of life you want to live? How can you become more the person you want to be? How can you express your deepest values in those moments? So many different ways to talk about it. You just find your words and the words that connect to the person you're working with. So in summary, a meaningful workplace is not one with foosball tables, free food, a vending machine you don't have to put quarters in. It's not a company that has its values carved in wood up on the wall. It's just a company where the connection of the content of the work and the contextual-based meaningfulness are actively and ongoingly talked about and engaged with. That's all. And you don't even have to come up with an answer. You know, you could have an employee working in their job for six months who's struggling with what the meaning of their life is, what their deepest meaning is. And, and it's, they're, you know, they're wrestling with that, trying to discover what that is. Cool. Then they're using their job, not yet to express their values necessarily, but to discover them. Well, that's meaningful. You see, but, and this would all, it's not, not complicated, right? This is all relatively simple stuff. But what complicates the hell out of it is all of the victim-y employee working for the man conditioning. That's what you have to remember you're working against. Because when you ask an employee, what are your deepest held values and how can you use your job to serve that? Most of them will hear, oh, my boss is wanting me to say something that makes it sound like I care about my job now. (laughs) (laughs) And they'll respond with that. They'll just give you some bullshit that they think will appease you because that's what they think their job is to serve you. You see, you've all had this experience, right? Where you come up with some brave, courageous, curious question and you go, what really, what, why do you care about this? What really matters to you? And they just go, blah, 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 blah. Right. They do that because they've been conditioned to think that no authority figure actually ever gives a shit about them. That's why. So it's going to take more than one pass for you to get through that conditioning. It can take months. You're going to have to prove that you actually care. To earn their trust. Yes, to earn their trust. And, and to paradoxically, to, um, to hold them accountable. To actually to care so much that you to, to care so much about them that you refuse to let them work quote for you that that's not okay. When I hired my assistant a few months ago, the one of the questions I had all the applicants write out was, "So this is a service position, right? You're going to be my assistant. I want to know exactly what you're going to be getting out of it." you see what my content is and you've seen my website and what, whatnot. 
what do you see you could get for yourself? And about 80% of the responses were just bullshit. And the one who had a compelling self-interested, like this, I think is interesting. And this is how this fits with my values. In other words, you know, when you're hiring someone, what you're looking for without going into necessarily a very deep conversation about it, though you could, but you may not have time. What you're looking for is a resonance between their deepest held values and yours slash the company's. That's what you're looking for. And you will not discover that resonance or not if you have a superficial conversation. And that's where most mishires happen. You know, when, when, at the end of 20 or 30 minutes in an interview, you want to be able to know what, is, what are the most deeply held values by, of this person and how do they resonate or not with mine slash the companies. Because the companies, com- the companies' values are generally a subset of the owners. They, they're not, not necessarily all of them, but they'll include them. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.